Okay. So um, let me also be here. Bezat Hashem, page 40, especially 40B, page 41B, it's very, very, very short. Yeah, surely. So I thought, since it's one topic, let's go already then uh, 42A. But we're starting, no we're starting 41. Yeah, good. So we're starting 41A1. Okay. Now, because in the previous page there was Max, I'm going to put you in mute because it's interference. When you have a question, just ask me. Okay. This is much better. And also, Shmuel Gordon <coughs> is coming aboard. Shmuel, welcome. We're just about to start. So, we're starting in the top of 41A1. So, at the very, very beginning of 41A1, having cited an incident in which Ravizel was in doubt concerning something, so there's another incident also regarding Ravizel. We have Ravizel, Ravizel said, Ana Hazisele Ravivau, once I saw Ravivau, he was going into the river, and then I saw his pla he placed his hand over his lower face. Lower face is a nice way in Lashana Kodesh referring to the male organ. So when he went to swim, out of modesty, he covered his organ. Obviously, he, he was going without any bedding custom, just as Adam Arishan. So he was covering his lower face. So says Rabbi Zeira, Veloyadana in Naga Iloy Naga. And I don't know whether when he was closing his organ, was he touching his male member or not? We're going to see soon what, what was the question and what would be the size of whether touching or not touching somebody's, your own male organ. Says the Gemara, Pshita de Naga. It's obvious he wasn't touching his male organ because there's a brisa. <clears throat> I think we also saw it in Brachot. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe it was a different Gemara, but it's definitely brought in different places. Rabbi Eliezer Oimer, Rabbi Eliezer de Tana teaches in a brisa. Kol oiches ve'ama, anybody that touches, that holds his male member while he's urinating, umashtin, olam. He is considered he's bringing the flood into the world. So why? Because when a person is touching his male organ, he might come to arouse himself and he might end up coming to, uh, to having uh, semen emission. And uh, the Gemara Darsh is looking at the footnote number three, that the Pasuk, Kish his kolbasar is alkolares, and in footnote number three, for all flesh has perverted his way upon the earth. The Gorele Ashkiz, to destroy, is a reference when a person has semen without having a, a relation with his wife. So, because <clears throat> by touching his member, he's close to do that, so it, a person shouldn't urinate holding his member. So, then going back to Rabbi Zeira, why was he in doubt? Obviously, Rabbi Abba wouldn't be touching his member. 
Abaye said, Mamar Abaye, that Asao Kevoleshes. No, maybe, and that's why Rabbi Zer was in doubt, the situation of going to swim, that a person is a little bit concerned that <laughs> he, might not, he doesn't want to drown in the river. So he's so focused in swimming or whatever he's, that he doesn't have time to think about other things. So even if he ends up, end up touching his member, that wouldn't bring him to uh, emission of semen. So what is this case, case of the voleshes? So voleshes means like a troop of marauding soldiers. There's a Mishnah concerning the following. Says the Mishnah, voleshes, There was a, a troop of marauding soldiers that entered a city. Now, these are non-Jewish soldiers that went into the city and therefore he went into Jewish homes. Now, what happens is like this. We know that wine has to be kosher because a non-Jew might have used wine to, to do libations for idolatry. So if a non-Jew uses wine for libations for idolatry, according to the Torah, it becomes forbidden. And based on that, the Torah extended that any non Kosher wine is prohibited, the, the, the rabbis. So it's like this. If these soldiers, when they went into the house of a Jew, was in peace time, so therefore they had time to maybe do libations to idolatry. So we hold like this. Any Javier's psuchois, any open barrels of wine are going to be asuros, are going to be prohibited. But if they are closed, moist, <clears throat> if they are sealed, they are permitted. Because obviously, if the bottle is completely sealed, the non-Jew didn't do anything with that wine. It's okay. But we see any wine, any bottle was open, we suspect it might be used for libation for idolatry, is going to be forbidden. This is when the soldiers went into the town in times of peace, they had more time and more calm to do whatever they wanted at the homes of the Jewish people. Now, Bishas Milchama, but in a situation when soldiers enter a Jewish city in a time of war, we're much more lenient. So we say, Mutaros. So both types of barrels, whether they are open or they are sealed, both of them are, are going to be permitted. Why? Because there's no time to pour libations for idolatry during war. So Abaye said, Alma menashi. So we see when somebody is frightened, somebody is in a situation of stress, so they don't have time to pour wine for libations for idolatry. And that's why in situation of a war, everything is permitted. So says Abaye Ahanami, the same thing in the case of Rabbi Abau. When somebody is riding a river, given the, 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 the base, lo asile arure, because he's frightened, he might drown in the river. He's so focused in swimming that he might not come to think improper thoughts and by touching his member, come to, to ejaculate some semen. So that's why Rabbi Zeira had such a doubt. Says the Gemara is going to ask Abaye, or in general, 
the Acha may be Isuse. What is the the fright that person? What is the fear going into a river? Says the Gemara, Abisuse de Nara. Yeah, fear of drowning on the river. Okay. Now the Gemara is going to question another aspect of this question. We Maraviava. Rab Abba said, Amarabune, Amarab, Kolomeniach, Yadav Keneged Panav Shelmata, whoever places his hand over his lower face, meaning to say, when somebody wants to cover the fact that he has the bris mila in his organ, Kilo covered the bris of Shelabram Avinu. What, is he ashamed that we've got a bris? So he's considered he's denied the covenant of our father Abraham. So then, he gives the impression that he's ashamed of the circumcision. So how come Rabbi Abau was covering his member, his organ? Says the Gemara Lokash, Kinachis, when a person should uh, be exposed, according to Rab, when he's going down, when he's facing the river, because over there, Nobody's in the river, he has nothing to cover himself for. And therefore, if he's entering the river and covering himself, over there he has the impression he's embarrassed of his member or organ. But when he comes out, Akisalik, once a person is already facing the dry land, and there may be other people standing over there facing the public, so over there, for sure a person should be covering his organ as, as a sign of its news, of modesty, not to be standing naked. The Gemara is going to bring different rabbis how actually they would conduct themselves. How the Rabbah Shahi. We see that Rabbah, whenever he would go to swim in a river, he would bend over and then he would walk to the river to conceal his private parts. And Ravizera uh, the, the other way around, Rabbi Zer is the one that we saw questioning about Rabbi Abau. He would stand straight as not to appear to be ashamed of his circumcision. Now the Rabbanan, the, the sages, the Be'er of the Yeshiva of Ravashi, they would, they would do like a compromise. Kikanah say Zakfei. When they're going down to the river, they would stand straight because we said nobody's in the river, a person should give the impression he's ashamed of the brismila. But once they went up back to dry land, kikasalke shachei. Then coming up from the river, they would bend over in a sign of modesty. Okay, with this, we end up this story and the lessons we learn from it. Let's move on to a new story, a new topic. The Gemara tells us that Rabbi Zeira, Rabbi Zeira was avoiding to meet Rabbi Yehuda, the boy Israel, because Rabbi Zeira wanted to make Aliyah. And according to Rabbi Yehuda, the eh, Amar Rabbi Yehuda, anybody that goes up that makes Aliyah from Babylon, Babylonia, to the land of Israel, he transgresses a positive commandment in the prophet. Babela Yubo Veshamayu says the Pasuk in the prophet Yermiyahu that they shall be brought to Babylonia and they shall remain there. So if you remember 
we had a very similar situation in Brachos, in chapter 3, that somebody also, a different rabbi, wanted to make Aliyah, and also was trying to avoid Rav Yuda because Rav Yuda was their teacher, and he might forbid to them to make Aliyah. So a similar story we have right here. Look in the footnote number 10. So in the prophet Yirmiyahu, the verse concludes, until the day that I take heed of them, says Hashem, then will I bring them up and restore them to this place, meaning to say back to the land of Israel. So Rabbi Yudah understands, I'm reading the footnote number 10. Rabbi Yudah understood this verse as containing a commandment to remain in the diaspora until the ultimate redemption. And that's why Rabbi Yudah wouldn't allow people to make aliyah. But Rabbi Zerah, however, understood this prophecy as referring not to the Jewish people, but to the temple vessels, which are mentioned in the preceding verse. And that's what the prophet Jeremiah was saying. And it was an, as a predict, predicting that the vessels of the Besamikdash would remain in, the, in Babylonia for some time. So because of that, Rabbi Zerah avoided meeting Rabbi Yudah because he was afraid that Rabbi Yudah there was a Vizera's teacher, would forgive him to make Aliyah. So this is a very side point to our Gemora. It's just like giving us some background of the story. So Rabbi Zera said to himself, you know what? Before I make Aliyah, let me go hiding without Rabbi Yudha noticing me and learn something, the last thing from Rabbi Yudha before I leave. Okay? And then I will go back to my house and make Aliyah. So Azal, he went, but Eshkache the Koibibani. Instead of being in the base Medrash, Rabbi Yudha had gone to take a bath. So and Rabbi Zera heard the following conversation from Rabbi, Rabbi Yuda to his attendants. So first of all, he told them, Ebuli Nosor, Ebulu Masrik. Bring me Niter. Bring me a comb. I don't know if you pronounce it niter or niter, but he means to say some type of chemical that it was what they used to use those days as a soap. So he heard of you that tell his attendants, bring me soap, bring me a comb. Then he told them, habla. Open your mouths and inhale steam so you will sweat and discharge heat. And finally, he told them, Rabiuda to the attendants, the to Mimaya de Beibani, and drink of the water of the bathhouse. All this he told them. Now, the beginning he spoke in Hebrew and then he changed into Aramaic. Homer Abizera. So Abizera said, Oh, Ilmalei lo basiela lishma de barzetayai. Had I come only to hear this statement, it would have been sufficient for me. Dayenu, you know, we just came out of Pesach. Dayenu, that I was able to hear such teachings. Now the Gemara is going to question all these uh, attitudes of, of Rav Yudah. Says the Gemara, Bishlam, if you know, sir, if you Masrek, Kamashmalan, it's understandable what he meant to teach when he said, bring me so, bring me a comb. So because he was speaking in Hebrew, in Ashana Kodesh, teachers, he wanted to teach that secular matters, pass me the soap, pass me the comb, you can even speak in a bathhouse, even in Lashana Kodesh, which is a holy tongue. That is fine. Then he changed into Aramaic. Why? 
because look at the footnote he wanted the people to understand understand clearly the advice he was giving them so the Gemara says also the following uh, thing that Rabbi Yudha said we understand why was he saying such a thing that he said open your mouth and inhale steam so you will sweat and discharge heat so listen this is important whenever you go to Schwitz whenever you go to a sauna to sweat it's important the following why it teaches a lesson in accordance with that, with that of Shmuel the Amar Shmuel Havla Mafi Kavla Shmuel said Shmuel Gordon no, Shmuel de Amora said heat drives out heat in inhaling the hot steam of the bathhouse that helps the, the body sweat out of its own heat so remember that if you Hashem <laughs> soon let's be able to go back to gyms and places like that they have a sauna so whenever you're in a sauna remember to inhale some hot steam and that would help you also to be, to be able to sweat out your own heat but what the Gemara is not understanding that Shmuel told them drink the water of the bathhouse by Nalusa what would be the benefit what's the advantage so says the Gemara oh let me tell you now the Gemara is going to bring a Brisa with very interesting uh, advices the Tanya says like this if a person ate without drinking so this is considered as he's shedding his own blood because this is dangerous why this is eating without drinking is the beginning of intestinal ailments is is bad for you another advice a person that ate and he goes to lay down to sleep without even walking for Amos you know when this applies when you're flying on a plane or you're traveling in car on a bus so this is we should try as much as you can after you finish eating walk at least two meters why because if not Achilaso Marqueves then the food if you didn't walk anything after, after, after eating is going to rot inside of you with your trilas reachra and this is going to bring you bad breath then if you feel you need to relieve yourself i think this is going more like number two to defecate and you don't defecate you start eating without going first to the toilet then this is analog analogous this can be compared to an oven that has heated over its old ashes that obviously is not good if you want to put on an oven first clean the oven and then uh, start to to kindle it anew so same thing you want to bring new food into your system first go to the toilet and then start eating and if not this is the beginning of perspirational odors look in the footnotes if a person eats when he needed to go to defecate then his whole body is gonna is gonna swear bad smells now let's move on to our topic if one took a bath in hot water 
and did not drink the hot water. It's interesting. I don't think we apply this. Did you ever took a hot shower and you drink any of the water coming down from the hot shower? I don't think we applied, but the Gemara said you should. <laughs> so a person that took a hot bath without drinking the hot water of the bath, is analogous, is compared to an oven that was heated on the outside, but was not heated on the inside. Look at the phone number 15. Just as it is useless to fire an oven from the outside and not the inside, so too there is not therapeutic benefit to the body from bathing unless one also drinks hot water as he's taking the bath. So this is the lesson that the, the Gemara didn't understand that Rabbi Zera learned from Rabbi Uda. Uh, okay, so this is for the therapeutic reasons. Maybe just when you're taking a shower of cleanliness doesn't apply, but maybe if you go to a spa, you have to keep that in mind. <laughs> if you are in warm bands in Bella Bella and you go to the, to the hot uh, bath over there in really hot water, you should also be drinking some of that hot water if you really want the benefits of doing that hot bath. Okay, then another lesson. Rahat, a person took a shower with hot water, and after taking a hot shower, you didn't rinse in cold water. It's compared to an iron that was put first in the fire to melt it and to prepare it as a utensil, but then it wasn't afterwards put into cold water to be strengthened. Actually, had an uncle of blessed memory that he always used to do that. He always, after the hot shower, would go into into cold water. It's very healthy. And the last teaching, teaching, if a person um, took a bath, a hot bath, but didn't anoint himself with oil, look at the food notes, there's two opinions. A person should anoint himself either before or after the bath with oil. Today, I think also we don't do that. This bathing is compared to putting water on the outside of a barrel, that the water does not penetrate and does not and does no good. Okay, so in any case, we learn from this brisa that that's why Rabiuda was telling his attendants to drink some of the hot water of the bath. So says the Mishnah, Moliar Akaruf. So Moliar, over here translated as Milarium. There was some sort of uh, urn, urn to keep ho ho hot water. And look in the phone number 17. There was uh, a vessel used for heating water. And it was a large bowl of water. And it was uh, surrounded by a narrow receptacle where you could put over there coals. So that's the way to keep the inside water hot. So this uh, moliar, again, they translate it in English as a milarium. I don't know if you are aware of that word. Okay, so you had this urn for hot water, and then it was shoveled, and we be speaking about it from the beginning of this chapter. <laughs> that the coals have been removed from 
the outer compartment where they usually are kept. So because of that, you are permitted to drink from it on Shabbos. It's similar to the examples we saw in the beginning of the mission of the, 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 the mission of the beginning of this chapter, when you have a stove and you remove the coals, then it's okay. Then there's another one called Antichi. The Gemara is gonna bring two opinions. Let's move on in the Mishnah. What is this Antichi? So because this Antichi keeps more 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 uh, heat, then says the Mishnah, even if it was shoveled and the coals were taken out, even before Shabbos, a person is not allowed to drink from it on Shabbos because it's too hot. Okay, let's move on the Gemara. Says the Gemara, how, what is the, the case? How can you describe this milarium that was shoveled and that is permitted to use on Shabbos? So says the Gemara, Tana in Abraisa, It's the water, as we mentioned previously, the receptacle of water, it's in the inner part of the urine and the coals are in the outside. So on that, uh, it's not so hot, and therefore you'll be able to use it on Shabbos. Now, what is the case of Antichi? So Rabbi Amar, Kikire, is a compartment like a Kira. So it's like this. You have, remember <coughs> in the couple of pages ago, the picture, actually in the article, the picture showed it when it was broken, that a stove, had a, a place for two, you could place two burners, remember that. So according to one opinion, this Antichi is like two burners, where one of them is always full of, of um, coals, and that's why it's very hot, and in the other one, that's where you pour the water. So because you have it like that, and it's a thin, wall between one of the sides which is full of burning coals and the other side with the water, it really keeps the water very, very hot. So that is one opinion. So um, that is Rabbi's opinion. So, and Rav Maritza Kamar, the second opinion, Beidudi, is like a two-tier pot, which are two-level pot, <clears throat> when in the bottom you have the heat and on the top you have the water <clears throat> this is exactly or electrical urns urns that in the bottom you have the electricity and on top you have the hot water so so according to the second opinion that the antichi is in the two two levels and the bottom is the hot and on top is the water so that is less hot that when you have the other one. So even if in that one that is not so hot would be forbidden, so all the more so in the other one. So Koshiken, BK, if the opinion that says even in the one of two levels it's forbidden, all the more so certainly 
in the one that is one next to the other would be forbidden because that is even hotter. But according to the other one, the one that says man de amar bikiri, that antichi is the one that has one to the side of the other, like the kira, like the stoves, then only in that one would be forbidden. But the one that is in the bottom and in the top, then that would be okay. Because um, only the Mishnah only forbade the one that is much hotter. The Gemara says, Tanaka Basel de Rav Nachman. A Braisa, there's a Braisa in accordance to the second opinion. Antichi, the Antichi Avalpi Shekeruf Abeketuma, even though uh, the calls are removed, like in the Mishnah said, anxious in a a person cannot uh, drink from it, even if you remove the calls from it. Why? Because its bottom hits it. So you see clearly from this Braisa that the Antichi is something heated from the bottom. So this is the second opinion. And therefore, if even in this it would be forbidden, so all the more so the one that is one next to the other, like the Kira, also is going to be forbidden. Now, just now as I was teaching this uh, Gemara and this Mishnah, now I came into the doubt, why then we do use it? <laughs> and like in our, our urns, what will end, end up yes, using it? And even if it's plugged, it's not even that we cover it. It's when, even when it's plugged, we also use it. So I don't know. I just now that I learned this mission, I came to that doubt that we shouldn't. Should we take for a minute to see if we find over here some explanations in the footnotes? Maybe in the previous page. Look, actually, in the footnote number 20, in the previous page, they ask the question Why are we so uh, stringent with this? Oh. So they explain over here, maybe we're dealing with water that has that hadn't been completely heated, not even to the level of Pendrosai. Uh-huh. So maybe that is why. Another explanation they bring over here. Maybe because the water is surrounded by coals. Maybe it has to do with the office of Atmana. Okay. Okay, let's move on to the next Mishnah. So, <clears throat> now this Mishnah is going to be dealing with very important alachos, or what is called Clearishon and Clearishon the first and the second vessels the number first or second depends whether it's on top of the fire or is a new vessel that was never in the fire so let's go into the mishnah 
says the Mishnah. Amechem Shepineu. Concerning a kettle that was cleared. Now, there's going to be two ways in the Gemara to understand this Mishnah. So again, a mecham is a kettle. So you have a kettle that had hot either water, soup, or food on top of the fire. And then it was removed. We're going to see exactly what it means. It was removed. Says the Mishnah, One might not put cold water into in it in order to be heated. So we're talking in a kettle with hot water. And then it's been removed. We don't know exactly what it means. Then the Mishnah says, don't put inside of it hot water that is going to, don't put inside cold water that is going to become heated. So that means that it's going to reach Yat Soledes. The heat is 40 something centigrade degrees that you, your hand gets pushed out because of the heat. But you may put uh, then um, enough uh, amount of water in the kettle or into a cup that if you put so much cold water only to bring it to be warm, that is okay. Let's wait for the Gemara. The Gemara is going to explain what is the case of the Mishnah. So it says the Gemara, what is the Mishnah meaning when it says that a kettle that was cleared? And also, what, what is these levels of heating and warming water? So So the first opinion is like this. This is what the Mishnah meant. If you had a kettle, but then he understands to mean to say that you took out all the water from the kettle. So again, you had a kettle on top of the fire. Picture the, the case. You had a kettle resting on a stove full of water. Then you take out the kettle out of the fire. You pour the hot water somewhere else and you are left with an empty hot kettle. So this is the first way of understanding the Mishnah. Okay? So on that, the Mishnah said, Lo You might not put just a small quantity of water, cold water, into that empty hot kettle, because it's going to bring that little small amount of water to be almost boiling. And there would be boiling on Shabbos, which is Mamesh HaMelacha. But what you could do about noise and my merubim, you can yes place inside of it a lot of water. They love shiran, that they only are gonna come to be look warm. That would be okay. Let's move to forty-one B. The gemara is gonna challenge this. But hold on, there's another problem over here. metzaref. Even if you put a lot of cold water that you might not boil the water, 
but you're going to be doing a different melacha. That is a melacha letzaref, which is to harden the metal vessel, the steel of the kettle. So when people would, and we say in the previous story, like taking a, a hot shower and not, and not taking a cold shower after that. If you take a, a, a metal, let's say a knife, so how people do with, with, with the metal instruments? First they melt them, and by melting the metal, they give the shape to the metal that they want, and then they put it in, in cold water, and that psh, strengthens the metal. So says the Gemara, that would be the problem. If you take a, a hot pot, pot and you empty the water, the hot water out of it, and then you pour a huge amount of cold water, okay, you won't boil the, hot, the, the, the cold water you put in because it's, you're going to fill it up with cold water, but the walls of the vessel are going to become stronger. So you are fixing the vessel on Shabbos. That is the question of the Gemara. So says the Gemara, you're right, but this Mishnah follows the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. This is Rabbi Shimon that he holds the Amar, we spoke about it in a couple of pages ago, that if you do something even even if the you you might be end up end up doing another melacha, but if you have no intention, not no intent, then it's okay. If you are not intending to harden the kettle, you only want to bring the water to be a little warmer, and you don't care about what happens to the kettle. It's enum is coming. You have no intent, therefore it's okay. Maskiv la Abaye. Abaye is going to object to this. Says Abaye. Mide Micham Shepina. Ah, he's going to object not this alaha. He's going to object the wording of the Mishnah. Says Abaye. Does the Mishnah say? Does the Mishnah state a kettle from which the water was cleared? No, that's not what the Mishnah said. The Mishnah said, What the Mishnah said, a kettle that was cleared, implying not that the water was cleared from the kettle, but that the kettle was cleared from the fire. So says Abaye, El Amar Abaye, rather this is the case of the Mishnah. El Amar Abaye, Ochike Omar, Amicham Shepineu de Yeshvo Maim Hamin. Concerning a kettle that was cleared from the fire, and it still contains some hot water. So picture it. You have a kettle that was sitting on the fire, and it has boiling hot water inside of the kettle. Now you remove it outside of the fire and it still has all that hot water that was inside. So says the Mishnah, let's keep on reading. 
you are not permitted to put a small amount of cold water because then it's going to bring that little cold water they will be adding to be boiling and then you could be cooking it. But but if he didn't have that much of cold water, I'm sorry, if the kettle that was sitting on top of the fire didn't have that much water, then you can add a lot of cold water and then it's only going to bring it to be a little bit warmish. So that is the second way of understanding the Mishnah. One might put a large quantity of cold water in order just to warm it up. Now, the second case of the Mishnah. And in the case of a kettle that hot water was cleared, then then you may not put cold water whatsoever at all, even a large quantity, because by doing that, you would be hardening the vessel, the walls of the kettle, the steel of the kettle. And then we say our Mishnah is Rabbi Yudai. So therefore, our Mishnah is following the opinion of the Tana Rabbi Yuda, that he holds the Amar Dava Shem is Kabinasur. Something, even if you don't have the intent, was unintended. But if nevertheless it's going to happen, nevertheless it's a sur. So let's just sum up and we're going to continue. We have two ways of learning the Mishnah. The first way is going to be according to Rabbi Shimon. Then if you put a large amount of cold water into an empty hot vessel, kettle, even if you are hardening the walls, is okay as long as you don't have the intent to do it. And that opinion is Rabbi Shimon. The second way of learning the Mishnah is not. You can never do such a thing because even if you have no intent, since it's going to happen, it's forbidden and that's Rabbi Yudha. So now the Gemara is going to bring Rabbi Shmuel that they exactly argue in this two ways of learning the Mishnah and in these two ways of ruling the Alaha. So says the Gemara. Um, Omar Rab. Said Rab. They thought that it's permissible only a large, a, a large quantity of water only to warm it up. But to harden it is going to be forbidden. So therefore, Rav is learning like the second way we just learned, and he follows the opinion of Rav Yuda. Veshmuel, he was a colleague of Rav, he learns like the first way we learned it. You can even put it, as we said initially, a large amount of cold water when it's empty, and even to harden it is going to be okay. The Gemara right away questions this. Says the Gemara, What? This second opinion could be permitting even on the outset initially to harden a kettle on Shabbos? That cannot, that cannot be. The Gemara says, you're right. Let's change what it was said. Rather, the argument between Rabbi Shmuel was really stated in the following way. Omar Rav, Rav said, According to Rab, 
the Mishnah only permitted to add the amount of cold water to the kettle that is going to be a measure that, that can be warmed, but not to fill it up all the way to the rim, that that would be shiur letzare basur. Because if you fill it up all the way to the rim, it's going to make it harden it, and it's going to be forbidden, and that's because Rav holds like Rav, like Rav Yehuda. The Shmuel Amar and Shmuel said on that, even Shul Etzarev, even adding a measure of cold water that is enough to add in the kettle to the way, all, the way, all the way to the brim, all the way to the top of the kettle, then that would be okay. Why? Because it's so like, like Rabbi Shimon, Dabasherim is cabin, is okay. It's permissible because you have no intent. So we're moving to page members, to page 42. Says Gemara. Yes, for sure. What I don't understand about yes. is they know that they're doing a second lacha, that they're doing a secondary job, that they're making the, the, the metal hard. Yes. Okay. They understand they're doing it, and yet they're still allowed to do it. It doesn't make sense. Because to, to me, it's. it's all women would say, well, you know, you take it out, you put it in, if you don't intend to make it hard, it's okay. But they know it's going to make it hard. Surely they are bending the rules to suit themselves. No, 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 again. No, they're not bending the rules to, to, to suit themselves. The question is like this. When something is going to happen, but you really don't care about the result, is considered... You really don't care. Remember one example we spoke about it. You need to schlep a bench. Let's say is sukkahs. And you have your sukkah in your garden. And now you need to bring a bench to the sukkah in your garden. And as you're schlepping, you are, you are dragging the bench, the, the chairs in your garden, you might end up creating a furrow on your garden and it was on Shabbos and let me ask you a question you you're eating in a sukkah and you're bringing a bench to the sukkah to eat do you care that you're making a furrow in your garden no you don't so that's why according to Rabbi Shimon we couldn't call it that you're making a melacha you don't care about the furrow. You just want a bench in your sukkah. So davashenu is kaven, something that even if by by the way also creates a melacha, but you're not you don't even care about that second melacha. So why should you be considered liable of a melacha? You're not even interested. So that that is Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Now, when when Rabbi Shimon agrees that you cannot do it when it's going to happen for sure. In the case of the bench that you're dragging through the garden, <clears throat> if it's not going to happen for sure, then it's okay. <clears throat> but if it's going to end up happening for sure, then it's not okay. <clears throat> let, 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 let me give you an example. Let's say <clears throat> yeah, you go to a hotel on Shabbos and you're spending Shabbos in a hotel 
and you left food in the fridge there of the hotel. And then when you open the door of the fridge, the, bulb, the light bulb goes on. And you're, you're turning a light bulb on Shabbos. But you don't care. For you, if it's on or off, it's the same thing. You only want to get the food out of the fridge. According to Rabbi Shimon, can you do it? You can't. It's called, it's called psikresha. Psikresha, we're going to sit in the Gemara, is something that is going to be inevitable, is going to happen. So Rabbi Shimon agrees, even if you don't intend, but if it's inevitable that is going to happen, it's for sure it's going to happen, then for sure you cannot do it. Only when it might or it might not happen, then according to Rabbi Shimon, it would be okay. Okay, let's continue. Okay, Rabbi, I understand. Thank you. Okay, Shkaf. Okay. Now, the Gemara is going to ask a little bit of a question on Shmuel. Says the Gemara, Lememra, you, you mean to tell me the Shmuel can Rabbi Shimon's Virulay? The Shmuel holds like Rabbi Shimon that is something that is unintended is okay? But look what Shmuel said. In a different ruling, Shmuel said, Mechavin gacheles shel mateches, bereshus arabim, one might extinguish a piece of burning metal that is laying on the public domain, so public nobody armed by it. Now, again, a boiling metal is not the, um, is not the use in the, in the Beta Migdash. Burning metal it's not something that creates, that is really burning, that is really like in the, in the example, example, like a like a burning wood. So let's go into food number one. In the biblical prohibition of extinguishing a fire applies only to a piece of wood, which is actually burning, not to a piece of metal, which immediately glows. That is the difference. Hot metal is not really burning, it's just glowing. But, but um, uh, a wood, it is actually burning. So although extinguishing a glowing piece of metal is nevertheless for him in the Rabbanan, rabbinically, but in a, in, in a cage of danger, the Chachamin said, you can, you can extinguish it because people might get uh, burnt. Now, but extinguishing a burning piece of wood, that would be a biblical prohibition. And that's why Shmuel said, that you cannot. Again, you're walking on the street, on Shabbos. If you see a burning piece of metal, you can extinguish it. It's only rabbinical, you shouldn't, but over here, because it's dangerous, you can. But if it's a burning piece of wood in the public domain, you cannot extinguish it because by extinguish it that is a melacha that is a forbidden rule of the Torah now the Gemara says but hold on you are not intending to extinguish it for a purpose why should it be considered a Torah prohibition if you tell me Shmuel holds like Rabbi Shimon, 
that something that you are not intending or something that you, do, you don't want the result of the melacha, according to Rabbi Shimon, is no problem. So, <clears throat> so according to that, Shmuel should also permit to put off even when it's wood. So says the Gemara, no. There are two different topics over here. One is called Dabra Shenem Iskaden. So the previous halacha that we said Shmuel holds like Rabbi Shimon is regarding the topic Dabra Shenem Iskaden. Something that is unintended. When you are doing something like the example of the schlepping the bench on the ground without intention. If it's going to make a furrow or not, you have, you have no intention to make a furrow. On that, Saba like Rabbi Shimon. Regarding that halacha, he holds like Rabbi Shimon, that as long as you have no intent, it's permissible. Now, the example that you just brought me regarding the, the piece of burning metal or the piece of burning wood, that is a different halacha. That is considered It's a labor that you, 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 you're doing the labor for a different purpose. But you're doing the labor. So over there you are properly extinguishing the fire. Which you're doing the melacha of extinguishing fire. But you're doing for a different purpose. That is a different, that's a different halacha. So regarding that halacha, Shmuel Choslak Rabbi Yudah. Savalaki Rabbi Yudah, that doing a melacha even for a different purpose is forbidden. So the example they bring in the footnotes, and we spoke about it previously, let's say Lo Aleinu. You have a corpse, Lo Aleinu, somebody, a deceased, that is inside of your house. And you want to take the deceased from your house, that is a private domain, to a public domain. Let's say you live in the M1, which we mentioned the M1 is a public domain from the Torah. And on Shabbos, you want to take the deceased outside of your house to the M1, not because you want him to be in the M1, just because you don't want him in your house. That is an example of Melacha Shena Tzichelagufa. You're doing the Melacha, you're doing the labor, you're taking out from private to public, but not because you want the body outside, it's just because you don't want it inside. So that is a different topic of the previous one of schlepping the bench across the garden to bring to the sukkah. This is whether melacha mutar asur, when you do a melacha, not for the intended purpose, but you're doing the melacha, just you don't care about the purpose of the melacha. So according to Rabbi Shimon, it's going to be mutar. According to Rabbi Da, no, that also is going to be forbidden. So there's two different topics over here. So the Gemara says, regarding the topic of Dava Shenum Iskaven, when you're doing a melacha without the intent of the melacha, he's lenient like Rabbi Shimon that you can. But in this second case, when you're doing the melacha, but not for the purpose of the melacha, but you're doing the melacha, over there, he's stringent like Rabbi Yudah. And that's why he said only when it's a metal um, 
piece of a, of a burning you can put it off but not if it's of wood now let's just end up this topic says again Mora um, Uh -huh. So it's like this. So regarding this, so therefore Shmuel prohibits distinguishing a burning piece of wood that is in the public domain, but he would permit filling a hot kettle with enough water to harden it as long as you don't intend to harden it. And just to end up with this, once Shmuel taught that to protect people you can break a rabbinical prohibition. Amaravina, Ravina said, Ilkach, therefore, Koitz, Bereshus Arabim, therefore, a thorn in the public domain, Molicho Pachos, Pachos Mearva Amos. One might move it less than four Amos at a time. And remember from the first chapter, we saw in the first chapter that. You are not allowed to move something in a public domain in the M1 more than two meters for Amos. But if you move it a little bit and stop, and you move it a little bit and stop, and every time you walk, you stop before the four Amos, before the two meters, then according to the Torah, it would be okay. Rabbinically, it wouldn't be okay. But in such a situation that you find a thorn in the public domain, Let's say a broken piece of glass. It happens a lot over here. You're walking on Chavez and you see a broken bottle of glass in the middle of the street. You are allowed to move it, even though rabbinically should be forbidden, in order to avoid somebody from getting hurt. And you can put it to the side. Okay? And if it's uh, in the Carmelites, remember Carmelite, it's only rabbinically, like over here, not the M1, all streets are Carmelite. You can even move it more than four amot to protect people. Okay? So, you know what I'm thinking? Maybe let's leave it here today. It's already an hour. And let's continue with Atoshem. Uh, probably tomorrow, okay? That's fine. That's fine. Okay. What time do you want to start? What time do you want to do tomorrow? So that's a very good question. What time should we learn tomorrow? Uh, you want it? You want to do it in the morning? Uh, I'm easy. Um, let's do it. Let's do it at nine a.m. tomorrow morning, Zatoshim. Okay, sure. Is that right with you? What time? What time? Nine, nine in the morning. Nine o'clock is fine. Perfect. Ciao, gentlemen. Perfect. See you tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. All the best. Very much. Yes. All the best.